This is a trigger warning from the legal department. Just reminding you that this shit is pretty heavy. And that's okay. Take a deep breath. Don't forget to hydrate. Wash your fucking hands. Good afternoon, friends. Or morning. Or evening. Or middle of the night. Whatever floats your boat. Welcome to the Revenue Real Hotline. Thank you so much for pressing, pressing play. It means the world. I don't know about you guys, but I, for one, am very excited about this installment. So today we have the great Corey Cossack with us. And Corey is the CEO of a company called Aspireship. And Aspireship is actually a venture-backed program that is helping individuals who are looking to transition into tech sales from other professions um, or looking to support those that are trying to level up their skills. Either way, it is a fucking badass company and Corey is a badass human and I am so flipping excited to bring this conversation to you guys today. Anyway, Aspireship first hit my radar um, because I noticed an outlier human out there in the LinkedIn universe. Uh, actually, I misspoke in the show. I said 18 months. It was. I, I went back and looked at the post. It was about 12 months ago. And this human was named Devin Banks. And she wrote a post uh, while operating as an SDR calling out a, a sales leader, a VP of sales, that went viral. And I immediately took note, just like, who is this human and how did they come to be with us? And they came to be with us through Aspireship. And as I got to know Corey and what, and Christine Rogers, who is the president over there, and they make a badass duo, you know, I, everything that I have learned about this company just continues to, you know, I thought that they didn't get any cooler and I, I keep <laughs> proving myself wrong or other people keep proving me wrong. But anyway, we talk about lots of things on the show today. Mostly, we talk about careers and career challenges when we are up against a system that tends to look for lookalikes, right? And kind of pigeonholes us all into a particular career trajectory that we grow out of or maybe, you know, we get bored of. And there are very few people that are working on addressing that fucking issue at scale. And, and Corey and Christina and Aspire Shipper are, are two of those humans. Anyway, this conversation is hysterical. If you don't like laughing, like you might as well just don't click. Do not listen. You will not enjoy it if you're not into laughing and silly banter um, or cerebral, you know, conversations. And... With that, I'm going to stop talking about the episode. Just quick little housekeeping. If anybody has any thoughts, questions, comments, definitely hit us up on the hotline. That is 646-470-0248. For now, it's just a voicemail. Feel free to text and there's an email coming. So, you know, you know, cool things happening there. But for now, definitely, definitely weigh in with some thoughts, friends. Trying to figure out ways to make this less asynchronous, and I for I definitely want to hear what everybody's got. Um, yeah, so again, that number 646-470-0248. Naturally, if you find any value in things that we're we're talking about, do tell a friend. I take that as the highest compliment. 
or feel free to rate us. I'm told it helps new people to find the show. And so thank you in advance for taking a, a second to do that. And that's that's it for today. I'm Amy Rehubchik. This is the Revenue Real Hotline. And enjoy. Love, love, love. Okay, so everyone, Corey, he's the first. He was like very prompt. He was like five minutes early. So we broke a little bit of the rules and like bantered ahead of time. Uh, mostly me just listening. But Corey Kosick, is that how you say it? Kosick. No, 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 no. I, I, look at my list. You see the silent or the consonants in there? <laughs> yeah, I don't um, know how to say your name. So yeah, it's Corey Cossack. Cossack. Okay, excellent. Corey Cossack, welcome to the Revenue Real Hotline. <sighs> I'm excited for this conversation. So like right before, before we like dive in, I um, one of the things that I speak about often, it's about with the things that we unlearn um, after selling for a long period of time, one of the things for me personally was over preparing for conversations. However, I enjoyed your rabbit hole far too much. And so like you were joking about things that are on your mind, like I'm literally looking at the pages, <laughs> the pages of shit I wrote down. But um, yeah, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to uh an impromptu conversation about whatever <laughs> about whatever okay awesome all right so let's get the business out of the way target audience is the experienced tech seller or experienced seller for purposes of this conversation um the theme of the show is conversations about uncomfortable conversations in sales um the only rule is that there are no rules except we keep it real around here. This is a mistake-friendly zone, a judgment-free zone, a tangent-friendly zone. And normally I reserve the last 10 minutes for my final two questions. One is a question, one is a piece of advice. And I think I think I'm gonna keep you on your toes a little bit, sir. So we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And have you listened to any of these episodes, sir? Do you know what you've gotten yourself involved in? <laughs> so I haven't, I started to, just very briefly, I think early this morning, I heard the little intro clip and I, I thought that was funny. I was like, yeah, this sounds like Amy. Like Amy do this. Uh, so I, I heard that part and uh, yeah, maybe two minutes and, that, and that's about it. Okay. Which one did you click? If So there's two intros, like at the beginning when I first did it, it was like the banter and then it was just Pete. But which one did you click? I always find it interesting. The Andy Paul. Andy Paul. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was yeah. a good one. Okay. So yeah, you have the most modern. But I have had a intro. conversation with you before, so I do have some idea of what I'm getting myself. <laughs> okay. So here's the list of things that I wrote down that we could possibly talk about. Right. And so I'm going to read them to you. And then the choice is yours of where we'd like to start, including something that's not on my list. You ready? Okay. okay. I love the talent is not a scarcity or a scarce resource like the talent code like i love people that are are shooting or shouting that from the rooftops uh that that skills are learnable and the the human brain is capable of great change and that can happen very quickly and so i i think that we are very aligned on that one um one of the things I pulled out from one of the articles, it was like a mock recruiter. If all the boxes are not checked, right? When I'm looking for a candidate, I'm not even going to look at, at other people, right? I just love calling out 
call it like you see it, which is awesome. I love the word reskilling. I too listened to one of your podcasts. It was the woman that did the future of work. And during her intro, she talked about this idea of reskilling, which is something, as you know, very interesting to me. Um, then there's, of course, the the first time that a spy, the story of the first time that a spyership hit my radar. And I'll give you one hint about it. It's uh, I spot outliers, right? I love doing that. And I've always got my little antennas out. And so there's a great outlier story there. I'll give you a hint, Devin. Um, what else? I love, I want to talk about the attrition rate and the cost, um, to like the, which is hard to know when you're not in charge of your PL as a like sales leader, but the attrition rate of high turnover, um, you mentioned something about other services that you guys are working on. I'm really interested in that. Obviously 1.4 million raise. So venture back pre-seed round as a, uh, just category defining, which is amazing. We could talk about ISAs and their bullshitness. Um, okay. we could, I, like talk. I loved the, that was the one that's up here. I love the, the program, um, the quality and the caliber of the program so much so that the graduation rate is 10%, right? So keeping quality really high, which I'm sure means there's a lot of value delivered, um, almost at all points of that funnel. And then one of the, the last thing that I saw and fell in love with that you said, um, it was how you resisted pressure from prospective investors to adopt the ISA model for aspireship. And so I think that's pretty baller right there. And then of course, the idea, like what's, how's business and what are we working on and, you know, sourcing more candidates, like what's the plan? I know you had spoken about working with colleges and athletic departments last we spoke. So like I want updates too, but anyway, so now I'm going to shut up and it gets tossed back to you about where you would like to begin. Okay, well, that is an insane list, so I don't know how you want me to pick. Um, I will tell you a secret that, not that it's like a big deal, but we've actually raised $3 million um, today. We just never announced it um, in the following rounds that we've <clears throat> taken, um, and we'll be raising you know, more in the relatively near future. Um, things are going really well. We've proven a lot of really cool stuff. Um, I'm not sure where we should start. Uh, I can tell you of the list of things. So I guess it depends on um, the audience, right? So I think the ISA topic is really interesting. I don't know if it's interesting to the audience that's listening to this necessarily. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, the, you know, the, the cost of uh, attrition, I think we could absolutely talk about that in a way that if there are revenue leaders that are going to listen to this, that revenue leaders would understand. Um, and we absolutely should talk about the recruiting box checking that whole thing because that's that's the core of so much um and then there's there's just a ton of stuff we could we could do but i'm uh i'm gonna put the pressure on you you're gonna have to lead <laughs> wow that's another first i normally I, I i i stand firm on this one all right i'm gonna i'm leading all right here's where we're gonna start why did you choose sales, tech sales to start. There's a lot of box checking and boxing people out and um, labeling and whatever. And I'm, I'm curious, like I read the Wall Street Journal article about, you know, hospitality workers and like this problem that you've touched on is so much bigger and it impacts so many people and you could have started in a lot of places. Why sales? So 
tech sales? The, the overall, like, very quick version of the story for how this all came about was <clears throat> my last company uh, I started was acquired very early, not intentionally, it was serendipitous, and everyone told me I was stupid for not doing it, and so I did it. And, um, and then, you know, I went on this journey where in a, I don't know, maybe four to four and a half year period, I went from little baby startup with a few people to being a big part of a growth engine of a 2000 person public company. And in those stages, this is Frederick, right? Yeah, this is Frederick, which then was acquired by Booker, which had 200 employees, which was then acquired by my body who had 2000 employees, which then was acquired by Vista Equity for $2 billion, all in that four year Short period of time, short period of time. Corey, can I pause you for one second while we're talking about this? Everyone, by the way, when I misspoke about the number of fundraising dollars, that was me trusting Crunchbase right off the bat. Um, and you have to be very careful with fundraising dollars because there's a lot of hiding, not, not to say this is what happened. It's probably, I just didn't click on the right thing. So like, but no, I, I, what's did, the name I never of the... reported it anywhere. Yeah. Oh, did you? Okay, good. So even better. So we guys, we got the insider information. All right, Corey, <laughs> please continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I just, you know, I don't always, hiding everyone's always chasing the headlines yeah, and whatever yeah. and, and raising, which is just this whole other topic is is something it's not as clean as it used to be where it's like, Oh, we have this well big said. round and whatever, like you take well smaller said. money at different times and yep. all kinds of stuff. Yep. Um, okay. Sorry so, to mess up your flow. So you were saying, no, that you're when you- fine. So basically, um, um, you know, having gone through this process where you go through these different stages of development, um, there's like rapid growth stages where, you know, Frederick getting acquired in its first year had, uh, less than a hundred customers. And then two years later, we had two two thousand customers, and then a year later, we had ten thousand customers, um, and was part of something much bigger. And part of what I found was uh, two things um, that are interlinked that I don't think I've ever seen anybody link together. One was people were coming to me left and right from other departments inside the company asking for advice on their careers. And most of the advice was, I'm X number of years since graduating from college or starting my first job or whatever. I fell into X line of work that I'm doing. I was fortunate to find my way into this great tech company and all that stuff. But what I'm doing now is not what I want to keep doing. And I'm just completely typecast based on my resume. So if I'm in customer support, people say, well, you're a support person. So your path is continue being a sport person, or you can go just this tiny little, tiny baby little step. inch yeah, over, baby, baby step step. over yeah, yeah, yeah. and that is your career path. And they're like, but I'm 26 and I'm really, really smart. And like, I don't want to do any of that. Yeah. I'm kind of interested in product over there. Right. And, and they're like, well, you know, and so basically that, that happened a ton, right. like a ton, a ton, a ton. Right. Um, and most of that was about either switching role types, you know, from support to sales, sales to marketing, marketing sales or whatever. Um, some of it was about moving up or specializing more, you know, anything from I'm a rep and I want to like, how do I get into the sales enablement side? Like, why would somebody consider me for that? You know, so on and so forth. And so I was looking at that and I started doing things like, you know, let me pull some strings for you. Let me make some intros internally, externally, whatever. Nothing did anything. 
no matter who I knew, how many, you know, and people are always, always like, the, Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's, it's all who, you know, well, yeah, sure. It's who, you know, but like the system is the system. And yeah. so, yeah. um, so, so that was a big part of it. And then, um, on the, and then I started to talk to people outside the company that were in different lines of work, including sales, but not tech sales or SaaS sales. And they'd be like, Hey, how do I, how do I make the transition? Like people keep telling me, Oh, I don't have SaaS experience or you don't have, you haven't sold this type of product to this type of customer. And so I'm not really getting interviews. And when I do get interviews, I get part of the process and then I get rejected because of, Oh, we chose somebody else with more experience. And so I'm listening to this and I'm like, okay, this is a huge problem and it's pervasive. It has nothing to do with sales and it has nothing to do with tech actually. So it Wait, does. Can I, I can I pause you there for a second? Because I, I this is the last thing I wrote. And the air quotes look. It literally says the system is the system. <laughs> okay, so there are three types of problems. There are people problems, human problems. There are process problems, and there are tech problems. When you use the word system, would you just define that just so we can have that baseline real quick around this banter? Like with yeah, that, I, about, I would put that into the process category. I'm talking about the system for how companies hire people. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we're talking about the same system. Yeah. I just want to make sure we're defining it properly. Yeah. Or the and same so, way, excuse me. And so I saw all of that from the employee professional side of how do I get to this next step or make this pivot, this transition it seems near impossible. And this is like mind blowingly crazy. Right? Yeah. And we all experience um, it. Every single one of us, I'm sure everyone has a very similar story. Um, so I want to talk, I do want to get into the aspireship, but I want to get a better under, I want to talk about the problem first, like from a macro yeah. level. So, um, okay. Sorry. We we continue. Further, okay. Okay. No mind. I'd like to share the other side of it. So there's that side Got and it. then being in the executive side of a large, fast-growing um, SaaS company and having problems around uh, talent and reaching revenue targets and stuff like that. Basically, when we look at reasons why companies miss their revenue target, the number one thing mm -hmm. was and is for most people um, what sales leaders would call a headcount problem. <laughs> right which means it's a people problem or it's a we can't recruit fast enough we can't ramp them up fast enough we can't keep enough of them productive and we can't keep enough of them around long enough and so it's like this hiring hamster wheel and so the connection that i made and this is where i'll bring it home and then we can go to your questions uh is that these two things are related the reason it's related is that the hiring system which is recruiters, it's talent leaders, it's hiring managers, whatever, they've all, all decided it. that the way okay. to do this is to find a lookalike. Yeah. So yeah. if I have a product selling into auto repair shops, um, I want to find people who have sold a software product like that to auto repair shops. And that is what I'm looking for. And people that don't fit that, and this goes broadly, like across everything, they're many steps back in the list of people I would consider to even talk to, let alone hire. And the problem is it doesn't actually work. 
So it doesn't make it better. It doesn't make the results better, but so it's like this we're chasing thing. After symptoms. Yeah, there's Correct. a root cause problem that creates symptoms and issues. And this is one of my favorite books that HR put out last year. I think, I think it was last year. Um, uh, what's your problem? And it talks about how, like, you know, this is pretty much most of our problem that we don't spend enough time investigating what the problem is to understand it. But more interestingly, or more to the point of this particular banter, and by the way, I love speaking with smart people. Thank you for pushing back on me. Okay. Even though you told me to lead and, but anyway, <laughs> talk about a double blind. We're going to have um, fun. No <laughs> there aren't any rules. That's why I'm going to call you out on right. it. <laughs> um, but also I appreciate that tremendously so much more than, you know, okay. But anyway, listeners, what I heard when Corey was describing what he spoke about. And also when I marry what I heard with what I know about the product, um, and make no mistake, Aspireship is a product as well as many, many other beautiful things, but there is tech here. I'll be serious about that. Um, you went after the people, the process and the tech problem, Corey, simultaneously, and you ultra niched in with the sales SaaS and Christine Rogers, who is also a powerhouse, um, which is pretty flipping smart and baller if I may. And there's the business problem. Like it's like unlimited because everyone, I think in many ways, and I don't, I try hard not to use superlatives, like always, never, blah, blah, blah. I don't always do very well at, at keeping to that rule myself. However, that said, I would venture to say the lion's share of us have experienced that in some way, shape or form, feeling pigeonholed career-wise or work-wise. <sighs> And, but you don't meet any people. I don't meet many people that are working on it um, at scale, Corey. Well, thank you. This, this to me is, um, this is, I've already decided this is the last company. This is my last startup. Um, you know, going to go go along with it. Um, hopefully solve a lot of problems, have a lot of impact. Uh, I never answered your question, which was why sales um, exactly, other than, the one relation to you know past company um number one uh i know it i know um i know what it's like to sell SaaS products i've never been a rep never been a manager never been a vp of sales um just been a founder um and then you know walking the floor talking to reps selling stuff myself all that kind of stuff um so yes number one i know to it sell is human friend to correct. sell is human correct um but Number two, it is the, the greatest source of pain and highest turnover um, in tech companies. Um, who's pain? Who's, who's pain? pain? Yeah, I don't um, care about who would companies. argue that because you're spot on. And But I'm curious about whose pain you're speaking of in this particular instance. The company's pain, and especially if you, if you think about the world of tech companies, largely being venture-backed startups and public companies, both have this growth mindset. Yeah, let's chase after growth. unicorns incessantly, pay no attention to the dead bodies that are left in the wake. And we don't even have time to stop or slow down to investigate while the bodies are dead. And this is why I'm, I'm by the way, I'm confronting some of my own biases, which are, I don't have a lot of sympathy for the leadership or the start of those founder ranks or the VCs that are whatever, because I have been an individual contributor for a decade. Now, anyway, I started with this as a bias that I'm overcoming. 
<laughs> it's a work in progress, friend. But yeah, no, I know about that pain and I know about those dead bodies. And there are the biggest piles of them in sales. Yes. Correct. And so um, huge impact, big market size. And I know uh, that we could solve this problem and we could solve it quickly. Um, and also that the other like major problem that people would look at for tech companies would be like engineering and shortage of engineers and all that stuff. There's a lot of people that have tried to tackle that. So mm. actually surprises me how yeah. few have like holistically solved the problem it's in funny. The I was, engineering. I was affiliated with Code for America. Um, yeah. And I don't know if they have holistic, but it's doing the same thing, like injecting initially uh, tech talent into and government. Um, yeah. But it, please continue. I didn't mean to. Yeah. So I was going to say, so, you know, I, I still think there's an interesting opportunity there, but um I haven't seen anybody. The, the closest thing I had seen when I started investigating it was the tech boot camps, right. um, which, you know, are very limited in size and scope and yeah. and so on. Or no, even for um, sales, they started. Oh, doing sales boot camps. Camp, okay, got it, got it. Where like a lot of size A stuff happened and and all that stuff. Um, and uh, and so basically, I just looked at it and said, okay, here's here's a way to like holistically solve this problem for a lot of people and quickly. Uh, and then you can move to other things, like once you've gotten really good at it. Wow. Okay. Um, listeners, another thing about aspireship worth noting, <laughs> understatement, is how effective their business model is proving out to be. And so that's killer technology disruptive, now quantifiably effective business model. And neither of those things are what I want to talk about, Corey. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's almost like, like I want to, I want to put in the show notes, like for two, for the, here are the two places that Corey says that people should go check out if they want to learn about the tech or if they want to learn about the effectiveness of the business model. Um, but we can come back to that, or maybe I'll ping you afterwards and say, just send me those two and hopefully fingers crossed listeners that it makes the show notes. Um, but Corey, what I do want to talk about is something that you said earlier in, and that was the number of people that were coming to you, um, during all that Frederick, um, story sharing, asking you for career advice, which suggests to me, uh, a few things actually. And I don't want to like, I don't want this to be about me or like compliment, but it, uh, in many ways it takes one to know one, but also I too get a lot of those. I always have always, I mean, still do oh, to well. this day and will continue to take those conversations. Like, like it's my job <laughs> literally with joy and pleasure while doing so. But that said, I, I'm curious about, so I think empath, I think, um, value, I think team human, all traits that are, I, I think, giver, right? Adam Grant style. What, and obviously being good at it, even though interestingly enough, the way that you shared your story wasn't good enough. Um, but I bet those people felt really good after walking away from conversations with you, which, you know, is that's a win in my fucking book. What is it about you? What is it about people like you or people like us 
that are able to create spaces like that during human to human conversations and connections, right? Because business at the end of the day, <laughs> uh, contrary to what most VCs think is about humans. And so, and, and I'm, I can shit on wall street too, guys, like, and gals, it's, I'm an equal opportunity, you know, team human plag planter, but like Corey, what, what, I guess my question here is how do you keep your cup full so that you are able to give so much to others? And how do you so, like stay in front of it? Or maybe I'm projecting onto you. Maybe I want to hear that I'm not the only one that like runs out of steam or it takes a lot out of you um, to work with a lot of humans, especially in career stuff. They're hard conversations. Yeah. So uh, a couple of things. I mean, I heard a couple of questions in there even before the cup full. One is how do you create space for people to want to have those conversations? Excellent, excellent. So I think in in my in my case, I was an acquired founder inside a public company. So like relatively young person to be at the executive level in a you know place like that. Also, I think you know most people had the sense, hey, he'll be around for some period of time, but he's not like a lifer here at the company. So like I might be safe talking to him. Um, there was part of that. Um, I think there was also the fact that like as a younger person who had, you know, risen to a certain level career wise um, because of my path that even if they weren't trying to emulate my path, it was like, hey, maybe you can teach me something or give me some guidance, you know, as another young person. Um, and then I think the other thing was I always walk the floor. So a lot of executives do not walk the sales floor or the support Isn't floor. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that right? crazy? Yeah. Um, and and I did it not just from the perspective of like, hey, you need to have pulse and you know be good to your people and all that stuff. Um, these are people that are literally talking to customers every day. And so I would go and be like, hey, how's it going? And they would say, oh, well, like this is going great or not going great. And I'm like, what did the customer say? Why did this work? Why did this not work? And like, I'm a data collector. Like, so Christine says this all the time you need to tell people or you ask these questions that you're just collecting data. Otherwise they might think you're grilling them to find out if they're any good at their job. And that is not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to process information about customer product fit, all this kind of stuff. And so I get it from sales, from customer success or whatever. And I'd spend a lot of time going one-on-one -on -one talking to people. Um, and so that made them feel comfortable. They're like, Hey, here's somebody who actually gives a shit. Um, about me is when it helped me and like, hey, no other executive or, you know, th there certainly wasn't the only one, um, but I spent more time on the floor than most. And so that was, that was part of how I created the space. In terms of how I keep my cup full, so I, um, I decided at a certain point in my career that I was gonna have a, like a career thesis. Um, and that career thesis was I wanted to help people who wanted to help themselves. So Frederick was about that with small businesses, hard problem, hard situation. They work hard. They don't necessarily get to where they want to go. Um, with this, it's very interesting because people are boxed out for a lot of reasons. However, there's also the other piece of it, which doesn't get talked about as much, which is that there are the people that are going to come to you. They're going to take your time. They're going to ask for your guidance, ask for your favors, so on and so forth, and then they will not take action. 
And how frustrating is that? We've all experienced that. When we're like, hey, here's this person. I, you know, really want to help. I love helping. And then you go tee up something and they just don't walk through the door. And you're like, well, what the hell? Right. And so that became a big part of managing process and products. Oh, oh. So can I I pause you there? Because, yeah, we're going to talk about the. So, listeners, what Corey just said is spot fucking on, spot on. And it's funny, Corey, because we go into this on episode one, two, three. Day Kong cracks the talent code. It's a young man that I, I mentored last year and I share my system for the first meeting, right? Like I said, I'll take that first meeting, but I envisioned it as like almost playing like volleying, right? Tennis. And so, but in a cold interaction, I will, I tend to create a big pile of things to do. And in Dave's situation, it was, there were two, read two books and then come back and we'll like take him from there. And so for anyone that's looking for an exact breakdown on how that conversation like actually plays out, episode three is a great place to do that. Okay. But Corey and Christine Rogers have done it with tech and at scale. And that's pretty incredible. Okay. So Corey, 20 minutes, so 30 minutes left, 10 for the final two, 20 minutes left. I want to talk about what you want to talk about. Remember when we were bantering during your early time, um, first and first ever guest, when we were talking about the graduation rate at being at 10%. And since the business model has proven to be so successful, now it's about getting the word out, getting more candidates into and through the program. And so I want to, those are the, it was the candidates and it was the platform itself. Do you have a preference in the next 20 minutes where you'd like to start? Or is there another topic that you think the two of us can handle real fast? Not fast, yeah, so but my, whatever. My preference is less about, um, less about me and more about the people that are going to be listening and what's going to be most interesting to them. And so I'm happy to talk about that, certainly, um, and what we've seen with Aspireship. I'm also happy to talk about um, the, the pain um, that revenue leaders feel and don't necessarily see and all the cost uh, of doing this the wrong way, hiring the wrong way, hiring the old way, uh, not investing. I know you know, you're, you're reminding me that we never even established a problem statement. <laughs> Everyone queries like just- You're gonna get back to the end of this and you're gonna be like, ah, I need three more sessions. <laughs> you just want to come back and speak with me again. I, I know, I know. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's Although, fun. like, very, I'm very cerebral. Smart. What, me or you or both of us? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Um, it's funny how often I hear that word, although I'll take it, I suppose. But after this, now I'm, I'm reminded I have to go Google it. It's cerebral def- definition, noun, adjective, adverb. I don't know. Okay. So, what is our problem statement with the system that is flawed right now? One sentence, two sentences, Max, what would you say? Sure. So the, the problem statement. As it relates that, to sales. So let's scope it. So it's yeah. like now we're, we're talking about sales and we're yeah. talking about the turnover in particular. Sure. So from a company perspective, the problem statement is I can't, um, I can't hire, ramp, and retain salespeople that are productive at a rate that actually works for the business. I'm constantly playing catch up. That's it from the sales perspective. 
why so playing now leaning into the little five whys why aren't the sellers productive so they aren't productive for a number of reasons but the biggest one that i've identified is that companies are hiring for the wrong reasons and they're hiring based on the past and the past may not even be performance or may not even be other things it's just you did a certain job at a certain company therefore you are the best fit for the role and have boxed out most of the workforce that could do the roles very well would appreciate the roles would hustle their asses off in the roles are coachable are ready to do it and appreciate it versus why didn't i get commission on that deal right which is, uh, you know, or you're not matching what so-and-so is doing with, um, you know, OTE or the way my quota is structured and so on and so forth. And I'm going to go hop around, even if I do well, I'm going to go hop around every nine months for the next opportunity to, um, to get a bump in pay or whatever it is. Um, there's all sorts of reasons. Can I, but, so, so I, yeah, I want to, I have a, I have a counter statement to that. Um, and it's funny cause I'm, I can go in two completely different directions. The, so I think of Adam Grant's give and take and how the majority of people are matchers, right? And so if you're in an environment where, everyone is looking out for themselves and people are taking, and then I can, I can point at, um, Repu, R-E-P-V-U-E. I'm sure you, you've known Ryan. Yeah. Um, I don't know him personally, but I think what he's doing is, is amazing. Super cool. And I, I reached out to him and, and, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. So when, when I look over there and, and, and contrast that with what you shared, it's like, we're, Sellers are not given any information during to, to make smart decisions, even if they are aware of what they're looking for. And, and, and so it's, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to like have the hairs on my neck, like the back of my neck raised a little bit more when we uh, make this about like the seller personality type that hops around because that serves no one in my opinion. Um, but more interestingly, if we were to take this, this debate and flip it, right? What is the one thing that keeps reps productive, right? What's the best thing a sales leader can do for their, their team. And I would say, right. My answer to this, and this is actually a debate that, that, um, Mark Cosgrove and I, who's a VP over at outreach a couple episodes back. And he said, confidence, mine was psychological safety. And it is incredibly difficult to be productive well, one, when all of the art and autonomy has been stripped away from your job, right? We're managing, like, like look at the SDRs, right? We're managing what they do down to the day and task. Um, and frankly, I'm reminded of Devin and your outlier story the first time I saw Aspireship, um, who was everyone very quickly, Devin, she did a post on LinkedIn maybe a year and a half ago that went viral. And it was like baller. It was like called out as sales leader. And it was like, who is this woman and where did she come from? And the more I learned about how much she did not fit the mold. I was, I was, I kept digging deeper uh, and to figure out how she came to be in our profession. And that was 18 months ago. That's how I found Aspireship. Um, so outlier type of 
candidates. Okay, but anyway, the point of this is that psychological safety is a requirement for productive reps. And that is a part of the problem when it comes to attrition, um, maybe a little bit out of the scope of aspireship, but certainly needs to be mentioned if we're bantering so this subject. It's part of the problem. I don't think it's out of scope. Um, so it's a little complicated to weave in all the different pieces of this, but the way in which we've designed the business model is about having companies that believe on the other side. So where most who are trying to train people will say, hey, we've given you the skills or the certification or whatever, go out and now go like show people that you have the skills. Okay, that's one way to do it. But you still end up in these environments that are not conducive to somebody who needs coaching, leadership, that um, that safety, uh, not that sales is ever safe, but you know, the, um, what you're describing. And so we have intentionally architected it that way so that when you have somebody who has the potential to be great, doesn't mean they're great today. And you're just going to be like, here's your seat, go. And that's it. And you're done, right? That's not what creates success. And so we're aligning with companies who believe that success can be created out of these situations and they actually invest in coaching and, you know, bringing those people along um, and they end up seeing great results. Yeah. As, um, and the other piece of this too is we do not force anybody in Aspireship to take jobs with our partners. So we do not charge them a bunch of money nor do we force them to go to our partners, which is how we predominantly make money today. Um, that is so and, baller. And to push and, back on investors too, to like hold on to that. That is so baller. I'm sorry, you, continue. Well, thank you. But you, you, this is, in my opinion, this is how all great things come to be. You have to kind of take stands on this stuff. It doesn't mean that it just remarkably works and it's all easy and all that stuff. You make a lot of sacrifices to do it. But... Um, in doing so, part of what we've seen is that there are people who will graduate and they'll opt to very quickly, like, oh, I got an offer from so-and-so or like this, you know, big shiny tech company or whatever, and they'll, they'll take the job. And not always, but a good chunk of the time we're starting to see now, three months, six months, nine months go by and they boomerang back. And so they go, hey could we talk? I don't know if this is a thing you do because we don't advertise it, but you know, I've, I've done this and I'm in my seat over here and I feel like maybe I'm missing something. And then they go and they move to a partner because kind of like, not the same, but um, akin to what like attracts in like some way, we are, we're vetting partners. Yeah. So we don't, we don't work with shitty people. Yeah. And if we find out after the fact that they're in fact shitty people, we're not going to work with them anymore. And so we, we bring these two things together. It's harmonious. It's funny. I've had a couple of conversations with a couple of those boomerang friends um, and humans. And it's so refreshing to hear you describe it like this. And also I'm reminded that like attracts like when you are able to put your values, not just in words on a, on a website, 
or a web page, but like values are, are actions, friends. This is how, how we live. This is how we make decisions. People see what we value based on what we do and do again and again in the choices that we make. And so when you've got a company like an aspireship with leadership like Corey and like Christine, those actions attract others that value those same actions. And so um, this network that Corey is speaking of, I'm reminded to Smile Virtual and Nick Capozzi. Um, did he ever tell you the story? Uh, like I'm not well, sure, whatever. But, yeah, no, no, no. Sorry, that was I shouldn't have dropped that there. But anyway, we have a, a, a shared friend there, and and in smile, even smile virtual, and in that decision, like I'm, that's another situation where I'm thinking of the strength of your network, Corey. Oh, man, I bet every day is different. Every day is different. I would tell you that um, you know if you want to talk about it, the the interesting. The interesting place for me is uh, I'm running a venture-backed company, right? Mm -hmm. And so talk all the stuff, you know, shit about VCs and all that stuff and whatever. There's really shitty VCs and there's great VCs. There's great ones, yeah. Fortunately, mm -hmm. the early ones I have are great ones and I'm working really hard to make sure that I don't Keep get a shitty way. one yeah. in, the next, uh, in the next round, which is always a concern. Um, but so I'm balancing, you know, we talk about these things you say are baller, like these decisions based on philosophy being the right thing to do. And that it comes around to like, it's kind of like I always, I look at Amazon all the time, right? Amazon has done a bunch of stuff over the years that people are like, that's bananas. How can you give away that shipping, right? That is bananas that you would do that. How can you take returns, um, you know, kind of no questions asked, that's bananas. Um, but now Amazon is Amazon because they have put people at the center, you know, the experience at the center of it. And so I've looked at all the things that are wrong with how this is done in other ways and said like, hey, let's do this the right way. Let's be on the right side of things, as our, our good friend Amy Volas loves to say. Um, and and uh, and so we pursued that pursuing that comes at a cost it comes at a cost of i'm running a venture backed company that has to grow continuously has to have unit economics that makes sense to everyone have a path to being something big because i don't want to do something small here this is a big problem big impact big impact takes financial resources and it takes the company being in a position of strength and so it's very interesting to balance these two things and have it all weave perfectly into this up into the right story with unit economics that are beautiful and all of that stuff. And I'm not saying that like we oh, are you the figured it out. You got it all figured out. We're Give just, us all the we're, answers, sir. We're we're uh, we're working diligently to make it all happen. Um, yeah. But it is it is very interesting when you think about every day being different. Yes, absolutely. Um, it, you could argue it's one of the most uh, that we've architected this way in this business in the hardest way possible to reach the milestones. But when you do, which we're starting to get there, it's virtually impossible for anyone to catch you. I like first mover advantage. They say that second mover, um, there's there's pros there, but I like, I respect it, sir. Outliers. As I said, I I caught you 18 months ago, sniffed you out. That was pretty amazing. Amazing. Okay. That is early. That's really early. 
because you know it was October 30th. Yeah, October 30th, 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the I did the the math. Yeah, and when we announced it, and it was uh, five days before Christine Rogers officially became an employee. Was the October 19th five days before? Yeah, that's good. That's 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 a long, (laughs) a long story. I want to hear that. all, All sorts of. All sorts of things here. No, no, no. That is, that's an offline conversation, but I definitely, that was one of the things that, that made the list. I didn't even flip the page over. There was a whole thing. Look, Christine Rogers, she was the top of the one. Oh, the other one, the pictures on the website look beautiful of your team. Whoever made that photographer decision, um, ah, money well spent money. (laughs) Um, okay. This is amazing. All right. So what's the plan to get more candidates? You know, um, I was saying this to you before the show, uh, there's no shortcuts, right? Um, and so really, when we've looked at this and we've had thousands of people you know, sign up over the last year and a half, hundreds of people graduate. Um, and what we've found is really quite interesting. So a couple of things. One is that no surprise, the people that succeed, which for the most part means they committed to it because he part of the whole thesis of the whole thing is like, you say you really want it. Well, here's the open door, walk through it. I'm not going to yeah, guarantee don't, you. Yeah, don't skip steps. Do not skip steps. Friends. You got to, you got to do the work <laughs> mm-hmm. and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Most people won't do the work. Isn't they won't surprising? do it. They won't do it. And not my even dad. before the market turned and now it's a candidate market, whatever, even back then. Corey, um, my, my, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, we throw dadisms in here often. And so we got to get one in today. But my my dad, so who, I was raised by a salesperson turned sales leader. So I've been around the empowerment of sellers for my entire life. Amy, you can be, I, this is probably Zig Ziglar, I think if I'm remembering correctly, but it has long since been attributed to my father, but you can be something like 80, 85% of the people by just outworking them. And then the remaining, you know, 15, 20%, 10%, whatever the number is, is a dog fight. And you're right. You're right. And so when you can create a process like that in a tech and a system to source out effort, that's big time. And it's funny, Corey, because I can't remember, have we ever talked about, uh, no, I, I want to stay on topic, but I've got the learning indicator is my favorite metric, right? In the sales enablement context. And so I even just using like workspace, Google workspace and the activity dashboard, seeing how, how quickly someone will access a playbook after doing a program, how frequently they tap into it. Um, I'm able to derive a bunch of different, uh, meanings from that, including effort. So I feel you big time there anyway. Okay. So with a plan, right? No shortcuts, oh. right? I'm not asking for any hacks here, but like what, seriously, like we, I know we talked about sure. the athletic departments. Where are you looking? Yeah. So it's, it's definitely not that, um, uh, nor is it any like specific subgroups or anything like that. Um, what we found is that uh, word of mouth drives the business. Yeah. The network effects drive the business okay. on both sides. Okay. Right. So we have a very fast growing roster of great SaaS companies coming to us to hire and we don't do any like paid marketing to go get them. Um, that's just part of the network effects of the business. Um, but what we found is that the people that do the work almost exclusively were referred by somebody. The people who were not referred by somebody, they don't trust us because we made it free. They're like, this couldn't. You've confirmed all those assumptions there. I could think of a bunch of reasons why those behaviors would play out. And those are pretty. Okay. 
we've confirmed. I mean, there's outliers. Well, what about um, what about the messaging, right? And just like, I I don't know how you would create messaging about this is fucking hard. There's gonna be a lot of hard work, and so from a cold funnel perspective, you'd have to keep hitting them with it's hard, it's hard, it's hard on the forehead, like every time up. Just like is, if you if you take all what we know about it and what we know about us out of it, okay, pretend it's somebody coming off a Google search or seeing an ad or whatever it is, and they go. They're like, I've seen something like this before, but different. And as I get into it, like this kind of feels like Udemy. I've taken Udemy courses. Nothing happens when I finish the Udemy yeah, course. They're saying this stuff and it's free and they're gonna help me and do all of this stuff for me. It couldn't possibly be. And so they go and they start researching and they see all these great things people say about us and whatever. And so we had this, we had actually a study done by General Assembly and it was hilarious. Okay. And we actually got to watch these comments and there was this guy and he's like, I'm okay. always looking for the knife. Where's the knife? Where am I going to get stabbed? Right. And so everybody right. is looking for you to screw them, especially when there's something that is so radical in the way the business model is presented. And so um, there's a couple of different ways to potentially solve that. Forget about that for a second. Um, what we are doing is really focusing on getting the message out there and sparking more word of mouth because we have a ton of it. And at a certain point, there will be enough critical mass that it'll just be self-sustaining. Oh, you know, is it yeah. the tipping point by chance? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so I, it's, just about, yeah. it's just about getting there. Um, but there's a lot of different ways to go about it, but it, it's less about we're going to go to this group or that group or pump up our ad campaigns or, you know, do billboards in the airport. So, you know, it's, it's not. Well, it's not so I just, I, I, you're right. The, and fair point. Well made. I, I define groups a little bit more um, abstractly <laughs> than most, you know, so finding a target rich environment of hard workers or of learners or humble humans, you know, so there's always a target rich environment, but you already articulated yours, which is, um, you know, the, yeah, warm, and, the warm market and the word and, of mouth. The other, the other thing too, Amy, is that, so last year in the pandemic, we saw a huge flood of hospitality workers. Uh, we've since seen food and beverage. So there's a bunch of these segments of people. We're now seeing teachers, we're seeing paralegals, we're seeing all kinds of people that, you know, you see these similar things. Um, but what really moves the needle is when um, people either get referred directly or they're overwhelmed by success stories and success stories of people that are they, like them in yeah. the sense that they came from something similar. And so the more of them that are out there, we're just putting a lot of emphasis on putting those stories, stories out, out there. there narrative. Yeah. yeah that's incredible. Out. That is incredible. That's incredible. Um, I love the teachers and I love the paralegals. I, I, I came from legal tech and so a special place in my heart for over there, but even teachers too. And on the, as someone that transitioned into adult learning, um, which I mean, that's what coaching uh, is really. But anyway, there was an article that I read on Medium and it was, it was about teachers and it was about, uh, there was two of them, but the idea is that it's not burnout, it's demoralization. And I think that you know, when you mix that right with with segments of people that are feeling and have been feeling very demoralized for quite some time with those um, people who want to help themselves, that 10 percent. 
That sounds like a pretty solid fucking bell curve to me, friend, to be on the front of. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So anyway, um, final question. So there's two, I'll tell you the both. The first, the last, excuse me, the first one is what is the hardest, most uncomfortable conversation you've ever had to have revenue wise? And this could be board, investor, uh, prospective in investor, um, co-founder matching conversations, VP sales, anyone, anything revenue, like whatever. It could be with your children or spouse, like whatever, because we there are ripple effects to not allowing mental health into the conversation at all. But anyway, so it's the hardest conversation. And then the second one is one piece of advice for our sellers or for our listeners about uncomfortable conversations. Wow. Okay. Um, so I know the exact one and I'm trying to figure out if I want to tell the story. Oh, you've got to do it. I'll, <laughs> I'll wait patiently. Uh, um, so I'm going to tell the story and probably read between the lines, but I'm going to do it without naming names like company names and stuff. Um, so I had a, um, <laughs> Guys, I just like shook my hands like I was celebrating. <laughs> All right, Corey, go. Continue. I'm sorry. sorry. A, ooh, I feel bad about doing this. Okay. So I had a startup situation where uh, I had I had launched a company and that company uh, and that product relied on integration with a third party. The product could not function in its current state without that integration mm -hmm. uh, with that or something like it, certainly to serve a certain set of customers. And this was how we launched the company. So it was the first, um, the first set of customers were related to something. We didn't have like a direct partnership, but we had like authorized integration and all that kind of stuff we launched. Um, and we got to traction very quickly. It started working. And within weeks, the company we were integrating with uh, came back to us uh, and said, hey, actually, um, you're in violation of our new updated terms of service that didn't exist before you built the integration and before we approved you and so on. Um, and, and the reason you're in violation is that we've decided to do a competing product um, and we're going to shut your integration off. And this is like, I mean, this is startup life. Like we had we had raised a little bit of money. We had invested a bunch in like this go-to-market plan and this technical integration and building the product around this and all that stuff. And it was literally like, if this doesn't work, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, like it's significantly going to shorten our runway. We're going to have to start over and do all kinds of like really crazy stuff. And so I remember this and I remember thinking all this stuff, like, I'm going to go to the press. I'm going to do all this stuff. And then, you know, I calmed down and I'm like, actually, nobody gives a shit. So like, all right, figure out how to solve your problem. Um, and so uh, we went to the company and we did not have, you know, great relationships there or anything. It was very arm's length and, you know, worked our way up um, quickly and basically compelled them to turn it into a partnership. Um, and that was an uncomfortable conversation. It was a very, very uncomfortable conversation. And we were, I was probably the most aggressive I can ever remember being in any conversation because I'm not, I don't see myself that way, at least as a super aggressive person, certainly not with people I don't know very well. Um, and um, that was like, 
do or die situation for us. And so, uh, and so we did, and, and we, we prevailed in the end for various reasons. Um, but that is the one that comes to mind. Hmm. That's Pete. I am, there's a couple of things. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that was pretty beautiful about that. But what you said about being an aggressive person, I mean, I could spin that and I could play with that one all day, like cat and mouse, but <laughs> like, oh, well, you know, women are not allowed to be aggressive. And so, but I find myself feeling aggression when it's uh, about customers or about others, as I mentioned. And when you started the story, you said that it, you started with the line that it was all of our first round of customers. It was our first iteration and, and it, but it was about the customers that were about that you had made promises to, I'm sure. And they, there's a lot of, uh, I think I, I get very emotionally attached to the first wave of customers that like gets in at a, like a beta level. And so, um, I think, I think also it was about fighting against something that we clearly believed was wrong. And so that's where it wasn't even aggression. It was more like fighting for what you believe in. Like, I'm not exactly. letting this go. This is wrong, what you're doing right now. And it happens all the time, though. It happens all the time, especially with those integrations. Remember with LinkedIn back in the, I think it was like 2010, they just like pulled, I had tons of friends that um, PeopleLinks is just one of the companies that comes to mind. Um, it happens all the time. But also, though, you chose wisely. Right. Think of the Indiana Jones, like picking the cup or whatever you chose wisely. You could have gotten to the video or even not handled those feelings well, but to keep them channeled and focused in a productive way to then turn it into a partnership after you were, I mean, did they explicitly tell you that they were going to compete or create a competing product? Or was that something that you learned after the fact? So they, they launched it. They launched the competing when they product. pulled the, when they pulled the plug. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> and they were they basically like, we know that you're gonna you know that you're gonna kick our ass. That your product and you that you built with it. like three people is gonna kick our ass. Corey, and you still if we spun let you. it. You yeah. still spun it, and they had a yeah. product launch. Like I, you know, I thought I had some pixie dust up my fucking. <laughs> <laughs> like what the hell? Okay, uh, so that, fun that was a story. That was, um, and and it taught me uh, a lot. You will notice um, that. Uh, uh, aspireship isn't dependent on any third party whatsoever. We had a lot of lived experience playing out with aspireship over there. There's a difference between or uh, lived and learned. Yeah, you could well, see, I could tell and taste that you've lived. Okay, so anyway, uh, and you're using most think of all the people that make mistakes and don't ever take what they learned and try again, right? They stay down. They stay knocked down. Not you, sir. Not you. So with that, what is our one piece of advice for our listeners about uncomfortable conversations? I mean, I think it's all about um, staying on the right side of things, right? So when it's for a good reason, if you stay in the pursuit of um positivity and the pursuit of positive change, of doing good, of trying to succeed, all of those things, uncomfortable conversations are a lot easier because the intent is pure, right? As opposed to being manipulative or trying to skirt around something that you know you shouldn't be doing, but you feel like you have to do, so you got to go have that conversation. 
Um, and so that's the way I've, I've generally approached it is if, if I could come to you with some news, that's going to be very disappointing for you. Um, and I could look you in the eye and I could say, I understand that this is disappointing for you, but this is the right path because I'm trying to do this and this is a good thing that I'm trying to do and so on. And this is the way that we need to do it. Um, that that's the biggest thing for me. Hmm. The moral high ground. Um, one of my favorite sections in pitch anything. Okay. Corey, how can people find you? Or if they have any friends that are breaking, sorry, aspireship.com. And then if they have any friends that are breaking into or want to, uh, come check out all that is wonderful and beautiful about tech sales, they should do what? Aspireship.com. There's no, there's no special, you need a special connection, special (laughs) access. You need to talk to Corey first. You need to get in. It's like, it is literally right there. You just go there, you sign up, you start right away. Like you walk through the open door. That is, that is the whole secret. And then beyond that, um, you know, Corey Cossack on LinkedIn. Um, you know, I love, I love talking about real things, hmm. real things there. And um, it brings me to people like you. Who also enjoys talking about real things. All right, Corey, you got shit to do. I got shit to do. This is fun. Um, I want to, I want to, one of the things you, you know, do you know, Sean Shepard? No. Okay. All right. So he was last episode. This is the person he, you guys would get along anyway, but I'm reminded that business acumen is really important. And uh, that's the thing. I think that a lot of sellers could, we could brush up a little bit around. And so if you ever want to come talk unit economics, in a fun and ridiculous way, uh, among other things. Every every card-carrying member of Team Human is welcome here, friend. Thank you. Thank you for, for making the time for us today. Thank you. My pleasure. And thank you for having me. Oh, my God. Well, now it's my turn to have, have it be my pleasure. All right, listeners, you guys as well. Thank you for listening to the show um, through to completion. Truth, love, and joy, friends. Happy selling. Bye, Corey. Bye. Man, that was heavy, but necessary, you know, important, important stuff being thrown around. Virtues that we as humans can build a sturdy foundation on. I heard words like trust. I heard words like action. I heard words like consistency. And uh, I think this is important, but I, I also live in the real world, right? Where I trust that the action Amy didn't take was to consistently feed the dog or file her legal disclaimer paperwork from all the unnecessary risks she takes on a weekly basis. Karen is going to be pissed. Karen! All right, friends. The only way this works as a hotline is if we find some people to come play. Anybody who's interested or brave enough or desperate enough, because let's be serious, that's where it's at. Everything you need to know is in the show notes. Yeah, call, absolutely. Call in. Don't have enough to do? You want a couple of books to read? Maybe we can boss you around for a couple hours? Yeah, please. By all means, call. If you like what you're hearing or are excited for this shit show and where it's going to go, 
Definitely follow us on whatever podcast device is your preference, even though I I seriously have a hard time identifying with anything non-Spotify, but you know, I guess I'll come to terms with that. If you find any value in things that we're talking about, do tell a friend. I consider that the highest honor. Of course, there's always the public review of any kind, although part of me thinks that I should not ask that until we're out of beta. Just a note for sponsors from Karen and Pete down in Legal, we are anxious to receive your call. And if you are looking to help or join the cause or create change in a positive way, please reach out to anyone but me because I have enough to do. And Amy will definitely be interested in taking your money to help more people, which is what we do here. You know, stuff, legal stuff. You know, it's pretty crazy. I still can't believe people listen to shit I say. Yeah, like there, there's certainly a kernel of truth somewhere in there, but you know, it's, it's just, it's wrapped up in a story. Order the dog food, Amy, order it. Chewy.com, possible sponsor. Lola, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, baby. I love you. Here, take some pets. Come come sit up on my lap. I don't know about you listeners, but I enjoy my podcast on Stitcher. I mean, I don't have a premium account because I'm holding out for sponsorship. Hey, Stitcher, looking at you. Also, I believe we mentioned Chewy, so there will be a link to the, them in the show notes, even though we are not sponsored by them. And I bought my dog food at Target this week because it was on sale and I saved on shipping. All right, friends, thank you for listening to the conversation. For more ridiculousness, check out the extended cut of the outro. And that's a wrap. I can't, I can't, I can't. So this is Pete, your disclaimer specialist, coming to you at the super secret disclaimer portion of the show because this is a pod about transparency and difficult conversations and with everyone being so open and honest um i must be so here goes um as the outroer to the outroe i'm sorry i apologize you know i i misled you intentionally as your attorney i must confess that i am not a fucking attorney um i have not passed the bar exam in the state in which i live i uh, have never represented anyone well in anything, let alone in a court of law. Um, but again, these are difficult conversations that we're, Amy's having with, with her guests, and, and I lied. And I should tell you that. I should be open and honest because, you know, we have been. So we can all be better. We can all do better together. And now I'm just rambling at this point. It's just, who cares? It's an outro, right? Like, this is just going to fade into blackness like the Mars rover, maybe a little bit less sad. That was fucking sad. Oh, let's not be that sad. Come on, guys. We can do better.